0: The real magic happens when you just shut up and start doing it. That's when things start to happen for you. That's when doors start to open. Overthinking things and talking, like over-talking things. It's important to talk things through. It's important to think things through. But at some point, you got to just do it and stop talking and start doing.
1: Welcome to Market Like a Rockstar with your host, RPI.
0: Bridging the gap between business,
1: mindset, and marketing? This is your invitation to stop selling and
0: start telling.
1: Dive into a world where stories and advice aren't just shared, but crafted to build brands that resonate, captivate, and earn trust.
0: Whether you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, or a marketing professional, let's hit the road to brand empowerment together. Your journey to becoming a magnetic brand starts now episode eight, Market Like a Rockstar. You are here. My name is RPI. I will be your host as always, and I appreciate you stopping by to check out this fledgling podcast. Today, we are going to talk about bootstrapping your business. We're going to talk about working from home, and we're going to go into shooting your shot as far as business is concerned, and we are going to talk about raw footage for video editors and things like that. But before we get started, I want to let you in on the fact that I came to, I had an epiphany and I, you know, when you start a podcast or you start creating content of any kind, one of the first things you have to do, it's one of the things I talk to my clients about is you have to figure out who is your avatar, who are you talking to? Who is your avatar? Who is your key listener? And for me, it's like, I, I'm getting started with this. I'm like, I think I want to talk to small business owners and you know, marketing people and things like like that's, that's kind of where when I started doing this, I'm only eight episodes in, so I'm still brand new. But th- that was like my general idea of who it was. But I came to this realization today that this podcast, my avatar, this podcast is for the doers, not the talkers. That's the spectrum that I feel like, I mean, it's, it's not just business owners, but just people in, in general There are talkers and there are doers. And I feel like being a talker and being a doer, I think it's a spectrum. I don't think there's somebody that's like 100%. Well, there's some people that are 100% talkers, but even the doers do a little bit of talking. But what I'm talking about as I'm talking, being a talker, but I, I, I look at myself as a doer in the sense that I feel better about doing things before I go talk about them. And let me explain what I'm talking about here. We are in the heart of talker season right now because it is, it's the, it's a, we're halfway, a little more than halfway through January. So it is just talker palooza on LinkedIn right now. Everybody's New Year resolution, New Year, new me. Everybody's out there, talk, 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 talk. All the, all the good stuff that I'm going to do. Oh, I'm just this dry January and all this other stuff and just patting themselves on the back. Woo, we got this new year. And, and I, I just look at it and I'm like, cool story, bro. Now, now do it. Like, do it and then talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I appreciate the fact that like uh, that you need to be held accountable. That maybe you're holding yourself accountable by I'm gonna put it out there, I'm gonna tell everybody, and that's gonna help me stay on track. Okay. I, I maybe. I don't operate that way. I know that's a school of thought. I know people like believe it, but I, I look around and I mean LinkedIn is it's such a wild place. And I love when I get on a different social media platform and it's like, I, I know, like I've started posting some things on LinkedIn and I know I have to be active there. And I would tell anybody to be active there. Like I know the business person in me understands the social media manager The like, I understand the landscape and I understand the platform. And I understand that this is a great time to be putting content on LinkedIn Holy shit, if it is not just a cringe fest over there. I mean, it is and and it's like I I have to I have to do it. I have to take part in it. Cause I'm choosing to play this game. That's part of the game. That's part of the thing. It's like, well, you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna own a business or if you're gonna, you know, be a professional in some capacity. It's like you gotta be on LinkedIn. That's just that's where it is. It's like you being an influencer and be like, yeah, I hate Instagram back in 2015 or 16 or 17 or whatever. So you gotta be over there. But oh my God, it is just talk, 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 talk. Everybody's just talking. Everybody's talking. And it's different when, you know, you you know talkers and you know doers. And the older I get, the more I realize how important it is to separate yourself from the talkers to some capacity. Because the problem is, and talkers, the talkers that I'm talking about, (laughs) talkers that I'm talking about, they're not necessarily bad people. I don't think they're bad people. Because I think that they have genuinely really good intentions, right? I don't think these are like malicious people or evil people. like they're not intentionally trying to like steal your time. That's not the, that's not their their mind. And as a matter of fact, I feel like I have empathy for the talkers because a lot of them they they start and stop, start and start, start and stop <laughs> they start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. and it's and, and, I, and we all do that, right. Like I struggle with, for me, a great example is the gym. Like I, and I don't talk about that a lot, but it's like getting in there. Like, I know I feel better when I lift weights. I know it's important as I get older. I know building muscle mass is a great thing to help with longevity. Like I, I understand all of it. And I, but I don't, I don't get on and start posting about my, my, uh, you know, my workouts and things like that. Because for me, it's like, I, if I if I get to my goal weight, then I'll post about it. Like, hey, I kicked ass in the last year and a half, you know, and I started doing this stuff. So I, I look at, and so I know what it's like to struggle with starting and stopping, you know? But the talkers will, they will talk to you about things and they will bring you in and they will take you along for a ride. And then when it's time to actually do the thing that you're talking about, they'll either change it so you're doing something else, they won't do it. And you can lose like months or a year to people like this. And and again, it's not they're not coming at it saying, "Hey, I am going to uh, I'm going to waste 6 months of your time or a month of your time or a year of your time or whatever." Cuz in their mind, like that, they're they're living it. But when it comes time to like drop the hammer and execute, I I, I think it's a lot of it is, and, and this is where the empathy comes in. I think a lot of it is fear. I think they're afraid to fail, or there, there's some there's something that you know they're overthinking things. They're they have anxiety. You know they think about stuff. And again, I I completely empathize with that. But I also know that just from my experience that the real magic happens when you just shut up and start doing it. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's when, that's when things start to happen for you. That's when doors start to open and like overthinking things and talking, like over talking things. It's important to talk things through. It's important to think things through, but at some point you got to just You got to just do it. You got to do the shit like Nike, like be like Mike, you know, let me throw it back to my old school friends, the Jordan stuff. Like you got to just do stuff and stop talking and start doing, you know, and, and, and I, I, I really think that if you are, if you line up with that mindset, I think you're going to like this podcast because this podcast is for people that, you know, like, yeah, you might need a little break from reality. And, um, you know, I might be able to tell you some things that I've seen that might help you navigate situations you're in. I mean, that's, that's my hope on this stuff because I can't speak to anything that I haven't been through myself. So yeah, it's, it's limited and it's unique, but this is what I did. And I've, you know, I've been up and down and and all that. But the one thing that's consistent is every time I've succeeded is because I started doing things when it was scary and it was hard, you know? Um, And I know a lot of people like that. I knew a lot of musicians like that when I was playing music full-time, like they were, you know, and and that's why you see when you get online and you see these musicians, like you, you see themselves putting themselves out there and then you see other people trashing them. And even if the the songs they're putting out aren't good, if it's especially if it's somebody younger, even if it's somebody older, and they're like, you know what, I'm 40, but I'm gonna start, I've got all these songs, I'm gonna start putting them out on TikTok or YouTube or Twitter or X or Facebook, whatever. When you see the comment, you see people trashing them in the comments, all I think is that, man, those people trashing you they are really upset. They're disappointed in themselves. And so they turn that outward and they start attacking other people. You know what I mean? Like they know they should be, if they're a musician, like they'll start picking apart your songwriting or your guitar playing or your piano, whatever, whatever you're doing. They'll find a way to shit on it and they'll make fun of it. But the reason they're doing that is because they know they're not actually creating things. It's easier to tear things down like, and it's, sometimes it's fun. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes it's fun to like pick apart things, but doing it publicly to me is, it's almost a kind of, it tells a lot. You're telling on yourself. I think it tells a lot about who you are as a person. And, um, and this is kind of, this dovetails into my first topic that I wanted to talk about, which is bootstrapping your business and, um, you know, versus, Taking investments or uh, taking on a partner or things like that, and I've had a couple of experiences semi-recently that have, have kind of really made me thankful that I've done things the way that I've done them, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Now, I'm going to preface this that this is my experience, and I know first of all, it's my experience doing what I do, which is different than if you are, you know, if you are starting, you know, uh, a flooring company and you need. A van, and you need like a seven thousand dollars sander, and you need like if you need to take out an invest, uh, take out a loan, or get an investor. Like I know there are certain things where you need to you need capital to fund things. You know, you're starting an app. Like I I get I get all of that, but what I'm talking to and what's worked for me is the fact that I was able to learn the things that I didn't know and I was able to, the, the the investment that I made was my time. And by choosing to invest my time into things that I was interested in, things that I thought I could package and sell eventually, I was able to limit my exposure, take risk, take a calculated risk, and just move forward, like inch forward at a time, and not be in a hurry. I think that's that's one of the things where, I think that's a, a big hurdle for people because you always want to be 6 months a year down the road from where you are. And I think a lot of times people think, well, if I only had 50k in the bank, then I would I would be able to like like take a shortcut and get this much further. But the difference is and I'm talking again businesses that can be bootstrapped, okay? Like if you're like what I do as far as marketing stuff, Like, find one thing you're really good at, sell that service to somebody, and then if you find other things that are related to that and start adding to your skill set and building it and building it and building it. And what I mean was, what I mean is, I started, you know, let's say I'm uh, 48. I've been out in the workforce for 25 years, 48 years old. So I started working, you know, like out of college. I was 22, 23 Um, and so for the last 25, we'll say 25 years, that's close enough that I've been in the real world. I've had four, four years I've been working for someone else. The other time I've been working for myself the entire time. And I'm proud of that because when I was working for myself, I was paying for a mortgage. I'm paying for, you know, paying rent, like all the regular expenses. You know what I mean? Buying a car, doing all these things. I haven't, I have, don't have kids yet. So I never had, I never had that, um, that added expense, which is large, obviously. So again, I'm speaking to my experience here, but what I was able to do was, and I'll use my most recent transition from W2 employee to self-employed, which happened six years ago. I was able to figure out when I got that job in January of 2016, within a month, I knew like, this is not my long-term home. Okay. And so I knew that I needed to find something else to do. And I didn't know if that meant going to work for somebody else in a similar field. I was selling radio advertising. Um, Or if I needed to start my own thing, I I really didn't know. But I was paying attention and I knew what I was good at. And so I had, like I said, I had built up my, my audience on social media for music and I had built a pretty decent little brand for myself, enough for me to make a comfortable living doing things and so i knew i had that skill set so then i had to figure out how to apply that skill set how to package it how to sell it and once i did that i was able to there was a window of time when i was working three jobs you know what i mean and i was doing the sales job and then in the so in january i was doing the sales job i started when i january of 2016 and by the time January of 2017 came around, I knew that I was going to definitely want to bounce. I knew that I did not want to stay at that 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 company any longer. So I started, okay, I started my my long-term plan. I was able at that time I was still playing music and I so I started playing music 3 nights a week. I said, "Okay, I'm going to I'm just going to bank this cash cuz I don't need this money right now cuz I'm living on my my 9 to 5 job, right? And so I would go out and I'd play music 3 nights a week, something like that. And just put that money away. Then when I realized that I could sell, oh, I can, I can sell my social media services to clients. Then I started picking up. I got my first couple of clients, and the the first place I went was I used, you know, my my network, the bars I was playing at. These guys, this is 2017. They they hadn't, you know, they were posting stuff to Instagram, but they weren't really doing it. And you could still get a lot of, uh, you could get a lot of leverage off of organic social media. And so I said, hey, I can I can help you with this the picked up two clients, picked up four, two more clients, I picked up my fifth client by, I don't know, October. And that's when I quit. That was when I was like, okay, I've been saving up money for, it took me 10 months of working, you know, three jobs, essentially. they starting that third job. Really. I started, got my first client in July, but I was working to figure out how to get that client between like April. So January, I start playing music. April, I figured out, Hey, I think I can do the social media thing. And how am I going to package it? How am I going to sell it? Blah, blah, blah. Get that done by July. Sell my first couple clients. Pick up another client, couple clients in August. Get another client in October. Quit my job. But I'd been working the whole time. So th- my point is I was never overextended and I never just quit the job on, on like a wing and a prayer. I never held my breath and hoped that something would work. I proved out the concept and I sacrificed my time to make that work. And I'm gonna now we're gonna fast forward and I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna tell you why I think that like in hindsight, that was so great. Because if you have, look, let's just say you get an investment money that that when I say you didn't earn, you didn't really earn it. Let's just say you get a lump sum of cash and you're starting a business and you've never started a business before. The problem is you don't know what you don't know. And one of the things you're going to have to do, regardless of what business you're in, is you're going to have to do you're going to have to market yourself and the the hard part about starting something from scratch is figuring out is there a fit in the product for or, I'm sorry, is there a fit in the market for the product or service that you're selling? you know and you don't until you start selling it. This is something my dad taught me a long time ago. Whatever you're selling is only worth what people are willing to pay you for it. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't matter if it's a product, if it's a service, whatever. Whatever you're selling is worth exactly what people are willing to pay you for it and not a penny more. So you can do research and you can, you can do homework and you can hire people, but until you actually sell the thing that you're selling, you really don't know what people are willing to pay for it. And there's no way to know that until you get somebody who's not a family member or a friend or an acquaintance, until you get a perfect stranger to actually purchase your product or service. And along the way, it's really easy to get taken to the cleaners by people when you've got a lump sum of cash. And you're like, if you have money to spend and you don't have the expertise of how to bring a new service to market or bring a new product to market or whatever, a lot of the things that you might hire out, you would be very wise to learn enough about those things, even if it's not, like, here's an example. Like, let's say, okay, well, I know I need to, I want to bring a product to market in eight months. So I need, I know I need, I should be on social media. I should be doing content. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to become the best video editor in the world. But what that means is I need video content. You, you realize you need video content and you like you try to figure that out on your own. And you try to figure it out before you bring in an agency or somebody who's gonna show you all this stuff and this works for our clients. And unless this agency is like specialized in your niche, you know what I mean? Then they, they, they are not gonna have... A, a dollars for dollars example to show you, they don't know what's definitely going to work unless they've sold a product or service that's exactly like yours in the exact market that you're selling it. And if they are, if they're selling, if they're working for your competition, that's that to me is a red flag too. So my point is, if you have the ability, which we all do now, especially when it comes to marketing and sales and product fit and all of that, You really need to educate yourself before spending money on things that you don't know anything about. Like, especially in the marketing world. That's what I can speak to because it is expensive to get it done right. And there are a lot of people out there that will do things and charge you for things that you could quite frankly at least get an idea of how to do on your own in a relatively short amount of time. So th- that, that's my point. And it's, it's a big risk. If you take out a loan or if you, if you bring on an investor and they inject you with a large lump sum of cash, I think it's really easy to fall back on, I'm just gonna hire somebody to do this. And that makes sense. You do have to delegate things, but if you're hiring somebody to do something that you've never hired somebody to do before, that you've never had an experience with them before, you are ripe to getting taken to the cleaners. It's like taking your car to the mechanic almost. Like, if I take my car to the... I have to have a mechanic I trust because I don't know shit about cars. So if I take my car to the mechanic, this guy could literally... There was a scene in Seinfeld where, you know, nobody... George made a comment. Nobody knows what's going on. They could tell you your Johnson rod's thrown. It's going to be 1,500 bucks. And that's really what it is. But it's a bigger scale when you're dealing with things like trying to bring a service to market or a product to market or whatever. And you can lose 10 grand like that. And, and, And so for me, it's like I... In hindsight... I'm like, man, I really, it was a long road. The thing you can't, the thing you can't do if you're, if, you're, if you're bootstrapping your business for real is you can't be in a hurry. And as soon as you put yourself in like, well, I've gotta be making five, 10, 15, 20, $50,000 a month. If, once you put yourself in the position where if I'm not making this money in the first three months, then I'm sunk. If you put yourself in that position, you're setting yourself up for failure, in my opinion. And it's something where it's almost like putting a time limit on it. You don't know, unless you've done this before, and if you've done this before, then you, then everything I'm saying, you don't need to take to heart. But if you haven't done it before, if you haven't started your own business, if you haven't brought a product or service to market, then you really need to be do your due diligence before you spend a penny to anybody else. So for me, it's like I took the time to learn to do all this stuff, And I've had, again, I'm to the point now where I have services that are scalable, but it took me six years to get here. And this is six years of me working like a dog and trying to figure this out. Like I look at it, like my, again, my perspective is kind of unique because I took a 15 year detour in my life. So yeah, I'm in my late forties right now, but honestly, I'm more of like a, like in professional years, I'm like a 33 year old. Because I took 15 years off and I went and played music, and yeah, I was learning how to. I was learning a lot of the stuff that I use today, as far as social media tools and audio production and things like that. But I surely, I sure wasn't learning um, business development stuff. I mean, yeah, I was calling, I was, I, I knew how to sell stuff, but I didn't know how to build out back end systems and processes because I was just working for myself. So I only had one client. So I was calling, yeah. I I had a I probably had like a, a database of people that I would call and you know I would prospect in different markets and things like that, but I wasn't focused on scaling anything because I couldn't scale myself because I was the only <laughs> I was one musician, right? So so anyway, my point is if you have to take on an investor or a partner or a loan, then obviously you have to do that. But I think from my experience at least, if you can afford to invest your own time and become wise in regards to the things you need to spend your money on, it's going to pay you back tenfold in the long run. It's going to save you time and money. Because if you like, let's say you just hire somebody and they 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 help you, uh, you know they 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 say okay, you've got this product. This product's going to sell for X amount of dollars, and you know this is how you can market it. Blah blah blah. Well, that's good. That's great. And then you go and you follow the steps they gave you and none of it works. Well, what do you do? You've lost however much money you spent on them and how much time you spent working with them. And it's really dangerous. So if you can take the bull by the horns and get in there and get under the hood and at least learn how to speak the language, at least kind of know, like if you're looking at like, um, and one of the things that a client of mine and I are dealing with right now is like, you know, we have, we have had issues with, um you know SEO and uh, like SEO companies in particular, and we're like, all right, well, why don't we just buy Semrush? Like, let's just buy Semrush. Let's just figure it out. You know, and in hindsight, we probably should have done. I, I probably should have brought that to the table in the past myself. It wasn't my call because it's it's not my money. It's my my client. I'm handling the content, but on the other side of things, but in hindsight, I'm like, that's a really good idea. At least. Understand how that tool works because most SEO companies, they're either using Ahrefs or SEMrush or they're using a similar tool and they're, they're experts using that tool. But at least if you if you buy that tool for six months and you get on YouTube and you figure out how to use it, like you look under the hood, you know what you're paying for. You know, you're not just hoping and praying that these people are doing right by you. So I I I just, I'm a big believer in, figuring things out for yourself and the partnership thing. It's like, I've had a few where it's been really close. Going to, going to partner up with people and it, and, it, and the things have not panned out. And I feel like it's been one of those deals where it, none of it was um, again, there was none of it. Like it's only happened twice in the last six years and neither time was uh, uh, there was no malicious behavior on anyone's end. It was just, we got to the point where it was time to go and we had different ideas on how to do things Um, and so we split and that's, you know, you hear about that. And this is something I've talked to my dad about a lot because my dad owned a business and he was approached by people to become partners. And he was always like, look, it's a lot easier to do stuff on your own. And my clients who are, um, small, medium sized business owners of, of all, you know, they range in like revenue and things like that. They're the same way they've, they've dealt, like I've watched it happen with my friends, with my, with my colleagues, they have partnerships. Those partnerships fall apart. I've seen partnerships end up in court. I mean, people that were friends for decades and just completely, the friendship is gone. The partnership's in the toilet. There's lawyers involved. I mean, like when you see that stuff, it's like, wow. And that's what I think it was Dave Ramsey that said the only ship that will never sail is a partnership. (laughs) You know, I think it was Dave Ramsey, but it was a great quote. Whoever said it, it's a great quote i wish i could give him credit for it um but anyway so if you if you have the ability to keep it in with like in house with yourself um i think that's the best thing and the other thing is the more stuff you can learn how to do out of the gate the better off you're going to be because then when it is time to delegate you've got experience in at least what you're delegating you know what i mean like you've done it yourself it makes it easier to hire somebody to replace to wear that hat, take that hat off and give it to somebody else, but at least you know what they're doing and you can effectively manage them in that role. So that was kind of my, that's my little bootstrapping segment for you. I'm a big believer in it. I think that anybody can do it. In 2024, I think you've got all of the tools, all of the, like everything you need to do anything that you want to do, aside from obviously being a doctor or a lawyer where you need you know to be um, approved by the state, you know, like you need to pass the bar and go to law school or whatever. But if you want to start a business, if you want to start a dog walking company, or if you want to start a, if you want to start a bakery or whatever, like, man, go do that shit. But don't, don't talk about it. (laughs) Like be about it. Go do like actually buy the ingredients, bake your first cake, see if you can sell it. You know, get online, get in a neighborhood group, say, Hey, I want to start walking dogs, start walking dogs, start doing it. And then you'll figure, you'll have to figure things out as you go. And it takes time and it's not easy, but you're either going to enjoy the process of learning how to do that shit or you're not. And you're going to figure out, okay, I'd be better off working for somebody else. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all wired differently, you know? So that's, and that that dovetails, look at this segue. Oh my God, this is a, such a natural segue into my next segment, which is I wanted to talk about work from home because it's been a hot topic ever since, you know, COVID and everything people trying to get back in the office and blah, blah, blah. And for whatever reason, I have just seen it like really bubbling up lately in all my social feeds, um, on X and on, and on, uh, on TikTok and YouTube everywhere. I'm seeing, you know, companies demanding people coming back and I'm seeing people get fired and these are, things are going viral. And so the first thing that I want to show you is now I personally, um, I am not, a fan of mega corporations. And I understand that I'm hypocritical because I am recording this on a Mac computer, I am putting this out on YouTube, which is, you know, uh owned by Alphabet, which is, you know, one of the biggest companies. Like I understand the idea like like we're we're living within this framework, right? For me, I would not want to go work at a mega corporation. I would not want to go work at a Pfizer or any of these massive companies for a litany of reasons, but I'm seeing the work from home thing bubble up. And I, again, I have a real unique perspective on it because I work from home, first of all, for the most part, I but I'm also an independent contractor. So I'm not a W-2 employee and I'm gonna give you my thoughts on it, but I wanna share some things that, I've, that number one, why am I talking about this? The stuff that I've seen. I also want to share some things by people that are a lot smarter than I am, in my opinion, that are, um, that are noticing things happening in the workplace. So the first thing that I want to show you is this ultra, ultra, ultra cringy video. Let me pull this up right here. Um, and I think I pulled this off of Twitter or whatever, but this video is, it's a corporate video and it's by the company that owns WebMD. I can't remember the name of the company, but it's basically like, uh, the CEO, which is like, he looks exactly how you expect it. Like every now and then people are so like right out of central casting, right down the line of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That looks like the CEO that everybody hates. Like that's the guy, the little kind of mealy white guy, you know, the country club guy. Like you look at him just like, Ooh, like God, I I just, I don't ever want to hang out with that guy. He's the same guy that'll like, that will fire people and then like write himself like a, four million dollar bonus check like that like that guy don't be that guy right that's what this guy looks like to me and I saw this video and it is just so good lord it is so cringy this video and you probably saw it but if you haven't you need to it's just it's just god awful let's watch this let it roll here
2: unfortunately too big of a group hasn't returned we need you ready and present and we need it now we're better when we're together, and we need to be our best to crush our competition. We have been slow in getting back with some people and in some places. That's about to change. Thank you, team. I want to leave you with this. We aren't asking or negotiating at this point. We're informing of how we need to work
0: together going forward. We're not asking or informing. This guy, dude, don't, do not be this guy. Never be. Oh, I just. go. Oh.
2: It's, again, for the simple reason that great companies are built by great people working together and seeing each other eye to eye and tackling the big task.
0: Thank you in advance for your help. Thank you in advance for your help. Just, just, oh. And then just, this is just, I don't even hold these people at fault. They don't want to be part of this video. If you're not watching this, if you're listening to this podcast, it's a bunch of people that I feel like it's almost like a. Uh, remember the? Oh, yeah, you're probably too. If you're young, you might not remember this, but there were the old terrorist videos where they would like they would put like a a captive on screen, and they'd have somebody like. Threatening them right off or right out of the right out of focus of the camera, so you didn't see the person threatening them. And they were like, I'm fine, everything's really good, we're doing good, they're taking good care of us. You know, they're saying whatever their message is, or you know, they're gonna chop my head off if you don't, you know, give them a billion dollars or you know, whatever. Like, that's what this is, it it has that vibe, but there's just these poor corporate people just dancing in front of a camera to this song
1: from.
0: And I don't know if this, the writing is on the bottom of the screen Giacomo Fino Anane. I don't wanna brag about my singing skills there, but. And then underneath it says, We mean business or don't mess with us. Now, I don't know if that's coming from, like, I don't know if that was actually on the original video or if somebody like added that to mean what it means, but. Giacomo so that's the video. It's just the most cringy thing you've ever seen in your entire life. And I. I, I know, like, I, I I just, good God, I just can't, I, I feel, I feel bad for people that have to work in that environment. And so I am generally speaking, like, I'm a big believer in, in like the people, <laughs> like, like I feel for the employees. I feel for any employee that works at that company. But I also, we're gonna get it, the work from home situation is very complicated in my mind and there's a lot of different alternatives to it. So that video went viral and that was, I think I saw that like around Christmas time. So I think that's like a month old or something. But then a video went viral and this is starting to happen. There's a girl named Brittany Peach and she was working at uh, Cloudflare is where she was working. And Cloudflare, again, it's it's a huge tech company. Um, and her, she like, again, apparently I've never worked for these companies, but you get, when you get invited to a 15 minute meeting from HR, like, you know, it's like, Oh, they're, they're basically walking me to the gallows, right? Like, you know, it's pretty much over. So that's what happened to her. She sets up her phone to record it. And the original video is like 10 minutes long. This is a two minute clip that I pulled from, uh, some account on TikTok here, but I'm going to share just a chunk of her video. And then I'll give you kind of, uh, my two cents on that as well. So we got that right there. Okay, we're going to roll this video really quick. This is her talking to I think people from HR at this company. They're definitely not her manager and she kind of addresses that. I think she addresses it in this clip. Decided to part ways with you?
1: Yeah, I'm going to stop you right there. Also, you. why are you doing this and not my manager, not, you know, we've never met. So this seems a little odd that my manager has no idea that this has been happening and the director has no idea that this has been happening. So I'm just definitely confused. And um, yeah, I would love like an explanation that makes sense. Also, um, every single one-on-one I've had with my manager, every conversation I've had with him has, he has been giving me nothing but I am doing a great job. I have had great activity. I have really great meetings. So I disagree that my performance hasn't been, um, I haven't met performance expectations and it must be very easy for you to just have these little 10 minute, 15 minute meetings, tell someone that they're fired, completely wreck their whole life. And then that's it with no explanation. It just doesn't make it. It just doesn't make any sense that you guys have still not been able to give me a reason why I'm being let go. Just for, from a process perspective, your questions are valid. This isn't going to be the forum and the situation where we're we'll able to go into the detail that you're but looking then, for, but then when, if it's not right as I'm getting fired, it's certainly not going to be after when I'm no longer part of the company.
0: Okay. Now this video is super interesting to me and I'll I'll tell you why. Um, man, like everybody, everybody on the internet is siding with this girl and I, I empathize with her completely. I also, I don't know if this was the wisest choice for her. Um, so playing, and, and I mean that because future employers, I mean, this girl is going incredible. Now, maybe she'll just, maybe she'll spin off and become like a TikTok influencer or she'll start a podcast and, you know, people, and she seems young and she seems smart and all that. Um, But the problem with this is it reminds me of something that I did that was, that I regret doing that was idiotic when I was young. I was probably close to her age. Um, I went in and quit with no notice from my first corporate job. Um, I went in and cleaned out my desk like a Tuesday, I don't know whatever night it was before. Cleaned my desk out, walked in at 30 in the morning, walked into my boss's office, told him I quit, and bounced. And that was super shitty, and it was super stupid. It was super short-sighted on my end, and I, you know, it's really, I don't lose sleep over it at this point, but in hindsight, I, I did that, but I didn't record myself doing it and go viral doing it um so i didn't really damage myself i'm sure the guy that i the you know the manager that i had was like what a idiot or what a you know it, it 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 had been there were extenuating circumstances with me quitting they were there were people in different parts of the building they wanted to take me they wanted me to go and start the people that were producing a morning show were like We want you to come work with us, and I was in sales, and my sales manager was like, "You can go do that. You're never going to make any money." Blah blah blah. And so I, it's a long story of why I did it. It doesn't matter why I did it, but what matters is I I should have thought it out more. I should have handled it better. And this girl, like everyone, can absolutely put themselves in this girl's shoe because we've shoes because we've all worked for people that suck. We've all had shitty employers, and and being passed off to a, you know, an HR person. It's like the ultimate slap in the face, right? Like I totally understand what this girl's going through. On the flip side, the problem is when you go work for one of these mega companies and this is something that I kind of want to get into with the work from home thing, it's like, it's very easy for them to look at you as a screen almost, like there is no human interaction. So I I understand the idea and the I understand why people want to work from home. Like I get, I do work from home. I love working at home. I come down, I get up at five in the morning. I'm on my computer until my wife gets up to leave for school. Like I love it. I absolutely love it. But I also understand why people are, why companies want people to come in. You know what I mean? It's, there is like, culture I hate the word culture getting thrown around and and you know you you hear about that stuff but it really is important if you're going to be in the trenches with somebody it's it's such a weird thing but you want to you want to have relationships with people that you're going to battle with and that's what you're doing really I mean I know that's that's a little hyperbolic and and I don't mean in respect to people that actually go to battle because I know those people it's it's a different obviously it's very different but the reality of it is like you're you're like let's just say it's it's almost like you're, you're a football team or a basketball team like you're going into the arena and these people on your side you want to feel like they have your back you want to know that they that you have their back and i believe that you know again for lack of a better term like a winning culture is a real thing and i mean you can look around sports analogies are super easy and I can even look at a team where it's like my rival team, right? Because I went to Mizzou. The University of Kansas basketball program, they have a winning culture there. And it drives me nuts as a Mizzou fan because I, I, I part of me hates it. But I also am not one of these people like, oh, they just cheat. I'm like, yeah, do they cheat? Everybody cheats. Okay, first of all, everybody cheats. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. So when Jim Harbaugh got caught, I'm like, oh, roll my, eye. like all these guys are doing this shit, first of all. Okay, it's like when Lance Armstrong, got in trouble for juicing. Like all those guys are juicing, okay? Okay, forget about it. If one guy's doing it, they're all doing it or else that guy would be so far ahead of the pack, they'd be like, what the hell's going on here? It's like what happened with Mark McGuire. Like that guy's like, this guy is yoked out of his mind, ripping home runs like crazy. He's obviously, like he stood out from the pack, right? But I I look at this stuff and I just, oh man, I, I feel like, having a winning culture is important. And it's really hard to do that when people are remote. So I, for me, again, I would never, it, it would, it would be a nightmare for, it's not that I shouldn't say I would never, because I don't know what situation I might end up in, but most likely I would not see myself working for a company like Cloudflare. You know what I mean? Cause it's so big. I am a fan of small businesses. If I wasn't working for myself in this capacity, I would probably work for one of the businesses that are like my clients, where it's like you got 20 people, 30 people in an office. You really do get to know people. You get to like people, things like that. And I don't think the work from home thing is such a big issue at that businesses of that level. So So that was interesting seeing her. And again, I empathize with this girl. The whole world empathizes with her because she's getting fired and that sucks. And it's gotta be like, it's brutal. And they're giving her some bullshit excuse, right? They're just sitting there saying like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. When the reality of it is, and she brings it up in this video, she's like, it's not my fault that Cloudflare hired too many people and now they're firing all these people. You know, she's right. It's not her fault about that, but they can't be, super specific when they're firing you because they'll leave themselves open for a lawsuit. Like that's the other part of this. Since we're, since everybody's gone so crazy with lawsuits left and right, you can't come out and say, well, here's the problem. You're really difficult to work with. Nobody really likes you. And I don't know if this is true. She seems like a very nice girl. I, I have no idea. But, but my point is if there is something that she is doing, that is, you know, not, it's not, necessarily sales related, but it's vibe related. They can't tell you that or they'll get sued into oblivion. So it's really, it's, it's a tough, sticky situation. I feel bad for this girl. And unless she can kind of dovetail this into some kind of an influencer type role or uh, something else, I I worry that she is going to, it's, it's going to make it hard for her to get another job because even if I'm hiring somebody, I Google them. Right. I mean, and I'm a, I got two people, (laughs) I, 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 and if I saw this, I'd be like, Ooh, I'm not hiring. I'm not touching that person. So I, I empathize with her. It sucks that she got fired, but, uh, I, I think she might regret it. She might not down the road, you know, it might be just a, a blip on the radar of her life. She might be 20 years down the road, killing it. And it's like, who cares? This shitty company fired me and it was embarrassing. You know what I mean? So Anyway, I wanted to get into, after that, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the work from home. The other thing that people don't consider as employees when they're talking about working from home, I think. And I talked about the last episode, I talked about thinking like an owner. And I gotta tell you, if I was running a company that was, I, I don't even know, it was big enough where people were coming to me and saying, okay, like my," let's say we had an accounting department. And my accountant came to me and said, hey, I want to work from home. And like, no, we require people to be in the office. And they were making it difficult and they were saying, I can work from home. I can work from anywhere. You need to be careful about saying that, in my opinion, because businesses are in business to make money. And if you're telling me that you can do your job from anywhere, then what you're really telling me is anyone can do your job from anywhere, and you're telling me that, okay, then we'll make this a work from home position. Good for you. And then if I'm that business owner, and unless I really like you, I mean, maybe maybe you do bring a lot to the table, but if you don't, if you're just like kind of nameless and faceless and you get the job done, but you're kind of a take it or leave it person. I mean, sorry, it sounds terrible, but that's the reality, right? You don't need to be in the office. Then I'm I'm considering outsourcing that job to the Philippines, to India, to Pakistan. Because I'm here to tell you, if you're telling people, I can do my job from anywhere, that means anybody can do your job from anywhere. That means, and even maybe if you're in a company in Chicago, you can, it'd be cheaper to hire, even if you wanted to stay domestic, it'd be cheaper to hire somebody in South Dakota than somebody that has you know Chicago rent they gotta pay or whatever. And I think I, it's very interesting for me as an outsider just kind of watching this thing happen because I'm an independent contractor, right? So for me it's like I I package deliverables for my clients. We agree on it, I perform these things. They don't know if I'm spending 50 hours a week on them or 10 hours a week. I don't I'm not a fan of the hourly thing. I think it's dicey and it's hard to figure out. So I I package deliverables. The the better I get at creating those and the quicker I can do it, then the better it is for me because it takes me less time, et cetera, et cetera. They don't care because they're still, they're paying for a service. They're paying for a product. And I, and that's how I look at, I look at a job. Like if they're hiring you and that's why I fall on the side of the people that want to work for home. This I'm, I'm so divided on this. I can't even stand it because when I was going into an office and I had that last stint at that sales job, I remember going in there and the situation at that sales job. This was so crazy to me when I think about it. I was commission only, so I did not. I, I and, and they gave me a, a guarantee of I, something small, like like thirty grand a year or whatever, something like that. But you were you were basically getting paid a commission, and if you didn't if you didn't sell enough to make more than that, let's say that's twenty five hundred bucks a month. If you didn't sell. Twenty five thousand. Say you get you make ten percent. That's roughly what it is in radio advertising. Basically, you are getting close to ten percent of whatever you sell. And so, I would look at it like, okay, they're 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 paying me straight commission. They are. They didn't. They gave me a computer that was a piece of shit, so I had to use my own computer. They didn't have a CRM in place, so I (laughs) had to get my own CRM. Like I was buying my own. Nope. Like I was literally like I, I was a contractor, but they wanted me to be in the office from eight to five. And in my mind, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, this is how I looked at it. And this is how I told the people that worked there. And again, I had a different perspective because I did not come up in that business. I'd come from a place where I went out, I got, I booked shows, I got paid and I made the money. So I looked at it like, well, if you're giving me 10% of what I sell, I look at it as I'm giving you 90% of what I sell for the right to sell the, you know, the airtime on your radio station. I didn't look at it like you're paying me 10%. I looked at it like I as a sales rep, is paying you 90%. I'm not getting any benefits from you. I'm not getting a new com- I'm not getting a computer, I'm not getting a fancy office. Like I'm not getting shit. And so I I was I was never able to like wrap my head around it. So I again, I go back and forth on this, but that and the other side of it when you if you're if you're pushing for work from home, so for me I was like Uh, this doesn't make any sense. It would make, it would have made more sense for me to go be a contractor to, you could become an agency and I could sell airtime on that radio station free and clear for whatever I wanted to sell it for and buy it from it. You know what I mean? Like you could have, you could have made it work on that end. And so that's the other place that I'm going. If you're a W2 employee and you work and you're pushing for work from home, you're leaving yourself open to having your job outsourced around the world. And I can tell you, as somebody who hires people around the world, the best thing in the world about it is, if things, go, like, there's, you're not paying health insurance for somebody. You're not, and if, if things go south, there's no HR issues. If you're hiring, hiring somebody in India. You know what I mean? If you hire somebody in India to do a job and they are subpar at that job and you want to let them go, you let them go. And it's that simple you replace them. It's that easy. So when you're pushing for work from home stuff, be aware of the fact that you have the right to do that, clearly. But you also should be aware of the fact that you are putting yourself in a position to be replaced by somebody else. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but it also means like to me, I'm a fan of hiring contractors because... I, I I don't, I don't need you to be in an office for eight hours. Like to, I don't need to see your face to know you're there. I need you to do the task that I need you to do. And I feel like that's a fair way to do things. And it's an easy way to do things because it's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a, it's an agreement. You know, you come to work for me. I pay you to do this. You do it. You do a good job. I bonus you. I treat you as, as well as I possibly can, the way I want to be treated. And we go on down the road. Everybody, everybody wins, you know? So that's my two cents on the work from home. And I saw this uh, this interview. This is from Lenny Rachitsky. I think I said his name right. I don't even know. He's got a he's got a really good newsletter that I follow. And I'm not sure who this is on this uh, this little podcast or this interview that he's doing. But this is a very interesting uh, take on work from home. I'm gonna go ahead and share that. Where's the uh, right here? There we go. All right. I'm gonna play this. Here we go.
2: Many leaders at my level publicly favor the need to get back into the office potentially full-time. I'm contrarian on this because of innovation. The first purpose-built office was built in 1726 in London. So we're about 300 years into learning how to use offices well. And what that means is offices aren't gonna get much better. What I think about is working from home, we've only been doing that for a few years since the pandemic began and at all since the internet started 20 years ago. Which one is likely to have more opportunity for improvement? There's so many things we haven't explored with remote work, and I think the people who say, "Oh, you know, back to the office," it's because we know it works. Well, we know what it is, but I have so much more faith in the opportunity to improve the remote experience. And so I think long term, it's going to triumph.
0: Okay, I really love that clip, and I pulled it, and th- and that gets me to where, like I, I, you know, I've been back and forth. If you've been listening to this, and this guy, if you're listening to this podcast, this is Ethan Evans, a former VP at Amazon. Um, and so uh, you can sit there and say, Ryan, you just told me that, yeah, you should uh, work from home is great and you shouldn't do it. But I, I feel like the real opportunity is in, like, like most things, it's kind of meeting in the middle and it's compromising. Because I do understand the importance of having a winning culture and having people that you know and that you've bonded with, that you've kind of, you know, inside jokes. I mean, all that little intangible stuff is important, but I also feel like a happy employee is a good employee. So if you've got a, a working mom or a working dad and you can give them the ability to work from home two days a week or three days a week or whatever, and they can be there so they can, they can work early, they can get up at five in the morning and get some stuff done when they can take their kids to school or they can go to a, uh, go to a soccer game or a basketball game, whatever, whatever they're into, you know, and even if it's like a single, if it's a single person that doesn't have kids, but they, you know, they want to be, uh, they want to be, I don't know what single people do. They're part of a uh, chess club, right? They play chess. So it, they, they want it, but their chess club meets at four o'clock and the office people stay at the office till five 30. Well, if those people can, you know, work remotely on those days and get the job done, then I don't see really what the problem is. If you can somehow meet in the middle. And I think that's really where the answer's at, because if you're saying I just strictly work from home, you're putting yourself on the chopping block because you're easily replaced elsewhere for a lot less money, most likely, and not only money but a lot less heartache as far as getting you trained up. If you if if these companies are hiring remotely, I can tell you because I do it, you've got SOPs locked and loaded. So when you hire somebody. They, they are getting a, oftentimes they're getting a written and a video version of your standard operating procedures. You're getting them up to speed. You build that out one time and you, and then it's just rinse and repeat. So when you bring somebody on for that role, they've already, like you're, you're, you're eliminating the training time and getting people up to speed on things. So I thought that was a really interesting take. And there was another take, let me see, where is it right here? This is a clip from the All In podcast, and these guys. This is J Cal. He kind of he kind of touches on a lot of things like what I had said, but I will go ahead and uh, I'm going to play this too. They were asking him, the guys were asking him what he was seeing from his uh, from his the companies he's investing, in, I think I'll go ahead and let this uh, let this roll. Like Cal, what are you seeing in the companies you're funding?
2: For? The biggest trend I'm seeing is outsourcing of talent. The level of entitlement and the effort Americans are putting into jobs, expecting 150k, let's say, and then offshoring a developer, Latin America, Portugal, Canada. They're all looking for what's the most efficient way for me to build a 10-person team, and then I'll see a burn rate of $30,000 with 10 people. I'm like, how is that possible? Like, oh, our developers cost $22,000. Our SDRs are 10. I'm like, how is that possible? Oh, we have two people in Manila, etc. Long way of saying efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. We have to get. To break even with the money we just got, we're not expecting a second round of funding, and a lot of them are raising but five hundred k to one point five million. And if this was twenty twenty, it would be three to
0: ten. So I, I find that to be really interesting. Again, just as someone who is hiring people and and does kind of live and breathe in that space a little bit, I can appreciate I can appreciate where where they're coming from. I mean, it's just it makes sense. Um, so I think the answer is somewhere in the middle. I think that smart companies are going to, they're going to value their employees enough to try to give them what they need on both sides of it, whether it's some kind of a hybrid situation. I think that's the best way to start. And then as technology evolves, I mean, it's going to get even crazier. Like you see the Apple, the headset, the VR stuff, the virtual reality stuff, it's going to be, I mean, I don't know how many years, but I would say within five years, you're going to be able to put a headset on and you're going to be in an office. Like, I don't think that's, I think that's very realistic. So I don't think that this is even going to be a long-term, I I think it's going to be evolving more than it's going to be like, this is what the way it is. And it's going to stay that way for 30 more years. Like now I think they're going to kind of figure out, they're going to weave through things and they're going to figure things out, and then in the next five or six years, there's going to be another option that might make even more sense or might make more people happy. So those are my thoughts on the work from home thing. And uh, so I've got a couple last minute things that I wanted to share. One is about uh, I talked about shooting your shot as far as uh, as far as business goes. So there is a, she is a, a wife. What's her name? Um, you uh, is it. Kyle Juszczyk, I got, I hope I said his name right. He plays for the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and his wife like makes these like custom puffer jackets for people. And I thought it was so cool Now this is a clip of, so she makes it for all these different people and things like this. And if you're into the NFL at all, like, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan. If you've, if you've watched this podcast, I'm from Kansas city, been a Chiefs fan my whole life. And it's interesting this Mahomes era has been absolutely awesome because most of my life, the chiefs were terrible. So this has been like a dream come true. Watching the chiefs actually be in the hunt every year. It's awesome. It's so fun for me. It's fun watching other teams. Like everybody else in the country hates us. <laughs> you want know, to talk about a winning culture. It's like, everybody hates us. And it's like, they could, you could say whatever you want, but the, I know they, you know, and I know they hate us because they hate us. Cause they hate us. Right. They hate And it, like, I know that was super douchey. Like, I know that. But the reality of it is they hate us because we're we're crushing right now. Um, and and then on, just add the Taylor Swift thing, dating Travis Kelsey on top of it. Now it's just, <laughs> people's heads are exploding. And I, I just like to sit back and watch the spectacle of it. The fact that people give a shit and get online and like bitch and moan about, they're showing Taylor Swift. Who cares, dude? Like, she's the biggest pop star in the world. It'd be like if Michael Jackson... Was dating a, an athlete? Of course, they're gonna sh- like, like. What are you like? What is your problem? Like, why does it bother you? Oh, well, I want to watch football. They're not cutting away from the play. Like, they're like. This is the idea that people are like outraged that Taylor Swift is getting like camera time in the NFL, dude. It's it's to me. It's just one of those things where I'm like, w- w- what is going on in your life that this is bothering you this much? Like, how sad and pathetic are you? To, like, take to the social media, oh, this is, I want to watch football. Yeah, bro, we all want to watch football. That's why we're watching the game. Okay? She's the biggest pop star in the world. And I love I love everything about it. I love the fact that she's got all the, like, she's got all these people butthurt because they're showing her on TV. I love the fact that she's got all the, like, the lefty climate activists freaking out because she's she's spent, uh a billion dollars on jet fuel. <laughs> she's flying all, up. like she's just like this girl is just living her life. I'm here for it, dude. She's t- good for you, Taylor Swift. When I was in Nashville, people would just people would hate on her so much. They hate, and it was always amazing to me when like it would be like grown men bashing Taylor Swift oh she's a you know she got propped up her dad as yeah her dad her dad definitely paved the way for her just like 90% just like Eric Church's dad paved the way for him nobody talks about that nobody gets mad about that do they most people don't even know about it but they all bitch about Taylor oh she's ta- and I'm like dude the thing of it is yes she was given she was she had a she definitely had a layup but she did not shit the bed when she got there and she's capitalized on it And if you don't like her music, if you're a 35, 40, 45, 50-year-old man and you're like, I don't like Taylor Swift, bro, it's not for you. (laughs) Like this music is not for you. This music is for my wife. She's 30 years old. She's a Swifty. She loves it. I think it's cool that she loves it. I think it's cool that Taylor Swift has built an empire. I love seeing people succeed. I don't give a shit who they voted for. I don't care where they land politically. I like watching people go after something and accomplish, it, and accomplish it. And that is what she has done. It's what Travis Kelsey's has done. It's what Patrick Mahomes has done. And I love watching it. People at the top of their game, right? How does this, <laughs> Ryan, why are you ranting about this? I don't know. If you listen to this, congratulations. Thank you, I guess. But anyway, the girl that is Kyle Juszczyk, wife, Kyle Uzchek's wife has been making custom puffers for people. And she made one for uh Brittany Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes' wife, who people get annoyed by her. I get it, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, but she made it. And so she had done this for, for Brittany Mahomes in the past. And this is the story. I pulled this off an Instagram account right here. Designer Christian Juszczek, the wife of San Francisco 49ers, all pro fullback Kyle Juszczyk never goes out of style, pun intended. Kristen is no stranger to a game day fit, seeing as she needs her own every week. On social media, Kristen showcases some of her gorgeous creations, some to wear herself and some for family members of players. With the 49ers on a bye week, Kristen created an incredible jacket for Chiefs wife, Brittany Mahomes, and included one for Taylor Swift, just in case. So my point about this is, if you've got a client, and you want a client, then don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like this girl spent the time to make this jacket. She had no, she had no idea. And I, I I would imagine these things take a while to make, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know what she, what she, how, how long she spends making these things, but I think it's super cool. And you take your shot every now and then you win. That might not be with Taylor Swift, but maybe it's with somebody in your, in your town, right? Somebody that's local. You've got a client, they've got a they've got a friend. Hey, you know, I I like maybe you're doing video work for somebody or, or or maybe you're doing accounting work for somebody that that you know they play golf with such and such at a different company or whatever. Don't be afraid to shoot your shot. Get out there. And that's the other beauty about doing like doing social media, putting content out there is it gives you the ability to get on social media and you don't want to be spammy about it, but you can reach out to people. You have access to more people than anyone has ever had in the history of humankind. Like you can reach out to, you can reach out to Taylor Swift if you want to. You know what I mean? Now you might not have a back channel to get there through Brittany Mahomes, but you can reach out to them. So my point is, if you get yourself, if you're starting to create content and you are a, you're a landscaper in Kansas City, and you're doing landscaping work all over the place and you wanna start doing Patrick Mahomes landscaping, reach out to him, reach out to his wife, reach out to, maybe not his brother. (laughs) Maybe don't reach out to his brother, but maybe reach out to his mom. You know what I'm saying? Like you have accessibility to people, so don't, don't make it too hard. Like you can actually reach out to these people and they might say no, don't be a dick, don't be spammy, but you know, if, if you want to work for somebody, ask them. Most they can do is say no, right? So that was the shooting your shot. Don't be afraid to shoot your shot. That's just it. That goes back to being a doer, being a talker. Be a doer. Take the risk. It's worth it, especially if it's small. You know, go in there. Most they can do is say no. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about was a, uh, let me look at my notes here. Yeah, so this is a tactical thing. And this is like something that I deal with and I've dealt with in the past where um I saw a TikTok where it was a video editor and he was addressing a client like, "How do you address the question? Can I get the raw footage?" And I'll break that down for what that means for you. So essentially, if you are a roofing company and you hire me to shoot a video for you, a brand video, right? So I go out and I I spend the day with your crew. I bring the drone. We shoot some drone footage. We shoot some, uh, you know, some. some some interviews, and then we shoot a bunch of B-roll and stuff like that. Now, what you're paying for is like, let's say you're paying for a two and a half minute brand video. So you get that two and a half minute brand video and everything is good. And uh, down the road, you're like, hey, there was a bunch of, like you shot B-roll that whole day. Like you were there for four hours shooting stuff. Can I get the raw footage? That's what what that means essentially. And the answer is uh, you do not have access to that unless that was agreed out of the gate. So this advice is for video creators as well as people that are hiring video creators. So both of you guys or gals, anybody anybody that's in this space should know this going into it. So, and I would say, if you're hiring somebody to shoot, like when, when I, we hired somebody to shoot our wedding, before we hired them i said hey can i have access to the raw footage can you know i'll pay you extra for it whatever because i'm a video editor so i could if i can get the raw footage that would be great so they they built the price in or the price was already built in like yeah we'll give it to you whatever but ask out of the gate and make sure it, if you're if you're hiring somebody you should ask them because if you understand the the value of video and you're hiring somebody to come shoot this stuff at least ask to see what they will charge you for it and if you handle it up front then you don't have to deal with an uncomfortable, weird situation on the back end. So, if you are somebody hiring a video team or a video crew for video work, one of the questions you should say is, "Hey, uh, I want. I, we're going to be doing social media posts, and we would like to have the B roll that you're shooting. You know, we've got an in-house, we've got an in house editor that isn't probably as good as the person we're hiring, or we can outsource that that job. Maybe we'll outsource it to you or uh, somebody else to create short form videos out of this content." get that information going into it. And if you are a video creator, if you're a videographer, or a video editor, etc., when somebody hires you, you should absolutely let this be known. You know what I mean? Because people that hire a lot of times, again, I don't think it's malicious, but they don't realize that like, look, if you hire me, you're paying me, if you're paying me $5,000 for a two and a half minute brand video, you're paying for that finished product. And I'm making a handful of revisions. I send it to you like, oh yeah, could you change this shot, that shot? Yeah. You do all that stuff. Um, could you change the music. Yeah. You do all that. You're paying for that. You're not paying for the raw footage, generally speaking. Okay. So you, if you want to take that raw footage and I've, I've run into this in the past and it, you know, is it, it made for an awkward situation because I had somebody that wanted to use my footage for television commercials and we were shooting stuff for Facebook videos. I'm like, that's a different, that's a whole different animal. Right. Um, and again, I was young in this in this uh, era. I was young in this career. In this so I, I didn't know going into it, but I moving forward and and now and since then, I always bring it up. Hey, we're gonna go out and we're gonna shoot all day. If you want all of the raw footage, it's gonna be X amount of dollars. You can buy that on top of it. And then let them know. And that way it's just out of the open. So either way, whether you're buying video services or selling video services, Get that nipped in the bud and it makes things way easier on the back end. So that's gonna wrap up episode eight of Market Like a Rockstar. I really appreciate you for checking this out. I gotta tell you, um, I'm having a blast doing this. I wish I could do it every day, I would. And the fact that any of you are watching slash listening to this means the world to me. I think it's cool because I'm having fun and if you're getting some value out of it, that means a lot, that's why I'm doing this. So if you are getting value out of it, please you know, take the time to Rate, comment, and subscribe. Send it to a friend. Let people know. And uh, yeah, we'll have fun on this journey together, see where it goes. Until next time, stop selling, start telling. Peace. Thanks for listening to Market Like a Rockstar. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Help us out and share this episode with anyone that you think might get value from it. For more info, correspondence, and links to all of our socials, visit the website rockstarmarketingpod.com. Until next time, go make some content. Build your brand and be sure to stop selling and start telling.